Sends Hour, hosted by Shane and Derek, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. with a brand new episode i mean it's season two it's a brand new season of the sense hour podcast it's shane alongside Derek. and just so you guys know we are still sponsored by customized sports congratulations to our two november jersey kit giveaway winners you guys should get your kids hopefully by the end of this week or early next week and don't worry there will be a new contest being released uh later today uh for december and you'll be able to have a chance to win uh one of two kits of your choice from the Senators' history of jerseys, so you won't want to miss that. How are you doing recently, Derek? I know you weren't able to join us for our last episode of Season 1, um, but how you been last couple of days? Uh, pretty good. Uh, not too bad, anyway. We've got a bit of a major, our first major snowstorm, I guess, of the season, um, which isn't so bad because it is in December now, so uh, usually you get that by November. Um, so a bit of a snow day yesterday and some, uh, just some complications on my own end. Couldn't make the last show, but, uh, but I did check it out with you and Neil and, and I loved it. I love the back and forth. I thought it was great, but, uh, but yeah, I'm doing uh, pretty good today. How about you? I'm in good. It's my first day off in like two weeks. So catching up on a lot of cleaning, uh, around the house today. I, unfortunately, I know what that's like. Yeah, you're just going 100 miles a minute, and you have no time to do all the stuff that uh, that your wife wants you to do. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but, you know, it's been a relatively quiet week for the Senators uh, the last couple of days. Some information coming out with, uh, you know, we'll start off with Bernard Docker. The, the article dropped yesterday that him and his teammate will be kneeling for the anthem. And, I mean, the time we're recording it, I think the game is today, this afternoon. So they'll be uh, they'll be kneeling uh, for the anthem today, and they wanted to make sure that people understood why they were doing it before people had a chance to miscue their their actions. Yeah, it's it's nice that they did put that out there, so that uh, you know you don't have that kind of reaction, like you said. Uh, people are expecting it ahead of time. I think it's a nice gesture. I think it shows um, just a lot of awareness on a young player like Bernard Docker's part. Uh, his teammate as well. Um, and I, I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing for the league. It's it's the right way to show that we're progressing and that, you know, everyone is standing behind, or not everyone, but, you know, some people are at least standing behind the Black Lives Matter movement and and just aware of what's going on in the world right now. Uh, so I think it it's a great sign of leadership for Jacob Bernard Docker. I think it's an outstanding thing to do for a kid his age. Hundred percent, and I think per- personally, I I love it, and I think it's great that he decided to come out with it beforehand and not just do it. I think that put a lot of that's a lot of maturity on his part, him and his teammates' part to do that. And I mean, I think you know, for North Dakota to actually allow it to happen and not make a big deal out of it is also an important thing. Yeah, they're kind of showing that they're going to back up their players and allow the, you know, their players to make these decisions. Um, and they're, they're backing them up, which I think is great, uh, especially for a place like North D- Dakota that is kind of, you know, a divided, a bit of a divided state. 
Um, so I think it's it's very courageous, extremely courageous what he's doing there. Um, and yeah, I, I think your cat agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand my cat. He will ignore me all day, all day. And then the minute I go, I start to record, he's like, I want your attention. <laughs> and you're not giving it to me, so I'm going to be loud. Um, I don't know if you can hear what's going on in the background. I have a dishwasher going as well. Got to make time for everything, right? <laughs> We're doing it all today. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a do-all a do all thing. That's um, right. But, you know, I mean, that's just the life of someone who's working and has to, you know, clean and whatnot. Um, exactly. Um, those uh, So those North Dakota games, uh, for those listening, if you want to check them out and you want to see half of our prospect pool play hockey, um, you could do that now. Uh, you could subscribe. I think the price is... $47. I just paid for it yesterday, $48. Um, and you could see all the games on nchc.tv. So, uh, so, so you could go there. Borrow that real quick? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, you, I, I don't think you can share it, unfortunately. It's a, you know, a one unit prescription kind of thing. So oh, you could, that's annoying. Yeah, you could sign in on one uh, device, I guess. Um, unless I'm missing something technology-wise, and if I catch it, I'll definitely send you uh, send you over to the games. But uh, I, I thought it was cool. It's a cool way to check out some of our prospects and you know see what the North Dakota Fighting Senators are up to. 100%. And I mean, like, I'm excited to see how how because the standard it's a Sanderson Bernard Docker lineup is basically what we're we're projecting and what we're told will be the case is that we'll have Sanderson on the left side, Bernard Docker on the right side. For the first unit. So as a Suns fan, that, that's the only thing I want to see. I don't care about Pinto right now. I don't care about Clevin. I want to see the the Sanderson Bernard Docker combination. Yeah, I mean Clevin's one of those players that he's been hotly debated. So I am somewhat curious to see why the Senators chose him where they did. Um, so I do kind of want to check out his game, see if he has maybe a little bit more mobility than uh, than people are anticipating. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're paying that price to see JBD and Sanderson for a little bit. And Sanderson, obviously named to USA's preliminary roster. There's, uh, there's no surprise there. He's going to be their number one defenseman. 100%. And I'm, I'm interested to see what he does with that, that number one role. And this, like, you know, there's reports of our player, like players not being called back. You know, there, there's obviously the stalemate right now going on between the NHL and the NHLPA, which I think we all should kind of take a little bit of a break on because these things happen so quickly that you don't really know what to expect. But it's kind of interesting to see like if players are being called back or not. If there's a I know I know Brandstrom, for example, his next three games or his next two games have been canceled since one of them has just passed. You know, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with him. Yeah, I think um, for a little bit, I think it was kind of up in the air. Uh, I do think Brandstrom was anticipating coming back to Ottawa. Um, but recently, I think that's changed with the NHL's ask um, not coming off the table um, and the negotiations really not even taking off. I mean, the, the PA is not really willing to negotiate. They're basically saying, we did this four months ago. We're not going to negotiate. Um, but But I think the telltale sign, I think you said it, uh, last time we spoke about this is if players are starting to get called back. So that's what we got to keep an eye on. Um, 
you know, if all of a sudden we do see that Brandstrom is coming back home, and I think he's anticipating to come back home uh, in mid to late December, from what I understand right now. Uh, and of course, that could change again if he stays with the uh, Tigers. Uh, but for now, I think that's the telltale sign. Our player's going to be called back. Um, again, it's easy to get swiped away by the negativity with all of this, but I think you know, I'm going to remain positive that there's going to be a 2021 season. Um, it'll be a shortened season. There's almost no question about that now, but I really feel like there's going to be a season. What do you think? I mean, there's that. I mean, there was reports that uh, they could cancel the season and whatnot. Neither team, neither side wants to do that. Apparently, like reportedly, I think it'd be stupid for them to cancel the season. I think it's just more of a marketing, like a, a negotiation ploy of like. We'll do it if we have to. We don't want to do it, but we will do it. Um, so it's going to be real interesting to see what they do. I think there will be a season. I think we're going to look at a 48 game. I think the best case situation is a 2013 season all over again. Yeah, and, and on the legal side of things, um, I'm not a lawyer, but I was kind of following up with some of the statements made by Alan Walsh uh, So on Twitter uh, just recently. So if you want to check them out, check out his tweets, Alan Walsh. Um, so he was basically saying that the NHL can't cancel the season. Like it would not happen because they would be basically liable to pay the players all their money for this season because in the CBA that they just negotiated four months ago, uh, it says no lockout. So they'd have to use other terms for a lockout um, and they wouldn't, it basically is saying it wouldn't fly in court. Like I can't explain the legal jargon behind it, but he's essentially saying that if the NHL tried to do something like that, the players know that they could use their lawyers and their system and fight that and basically get their money. So uh, I, I don't know if the NHL has much of a leg to stand on in this negotiation. Yeah. I saw something where it was like, it would be like, there'd be the terminology is weird. It's like, they could have an, a, a, the the players could can't they could call in a season, um, and that's an illegal lockout. And then it just there there's something I think on the score about it. And uh, yeah, it's it's a hot mess right now going on in the NHL. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, but hopefully it ends soon. I mean, we're, we're sick and tired. It's 2020. We're sick and tired of the negativity. We need some positive news. I'm getting tired of not being able to follow NHL hockey. We should be watching the Ottawa Senators, at least in training camp right now. We should be 20 games into the season by now. Minimum. Minimum 20 games, probably closer to like 25 games into the season right now. I think the most annoying thing for me is that they just kind of sat there procrastinating after the Stanley Cup playoffs finished. I mean, they knew then that the numbers were getting worse. Um, and they knew then that we would be probably in this situation or close to this situation. So to me, it's a little bit frustrating that they waited so long and then they still hoped for a January 1st start date. And at this point, that's definitely not happening. Nope. But here's the thing. If I'm, if I'm the senators, you know, I'm pretty sure they've opened up their arena. Like if you're in Ottawa, you can come and skate. If I'm a player, I'm looking at coming to Ottawa anyways. Especially if I'm not playing. Like if I'm a Brady Kachuk, a Logan Brown, Drake Batherson, Sokoloff, these guys that are in North America, you know, Willannon, all of them, I'm up in Ottawa. Yeah. If the no, Ottawa if, if the Ottawa rink is open, which I'm pretty sure it is now, 
I would be up here. I would start moving up here. I would start doing my two week quarantine. My, and this is the thing. Um, of earlier today, someone posted a picture on Twitter. The Sens are finally, finally updating their um, wallpaper outside of the arena. They're, they're putting up new decals on the outside of the arena, which kind of make, cause they always do it before the season. Like they don't do it in the middle of the summer. They do it like right before camp opens. Which makes me wonder if either this was, you know, pre-designed where they just were like, okay, we've already scheduled it, we'll let it happen, or if there's more to things happening than we realize. Yeah, I think I don't know if the NHL realizes, you know, what the situation is that they're in. Like, if they don't actually have a legal foot to stand on, uh, like Walsh is reporting, uh, then they might just kind of can the idea of asking for that sixteen percent. Um, but you know, I, I think that the reality is they are taking on more risk than the players. Um, and this is their business. So, you know, I could see both sides of it. It's just really frustrating that we've arrived at this point and we still don't have a confirmed start date for the season. Um, but as you said, it, it is funny that the senators are replacing those banners. Um, you know, they'll have a lot of replacing to do because there's been such a high changeover. Um, but yeah, I guess wave goodbye to, you know, the Bobby Ryans and, um, and the days of the old, <laughs> I don't know who, who did they have up there, uh, for banners this year? Yeah. I mean, they'll probably have Tierney, Kachuk, um, Bonner Brown, Shabrat, Brown, Paul, they'll probably try to get, you know, something with that and off done. If he already hasn't, maybe they did. Maybe he's done a photo shoot. Cause I'm pretty, is he in Russia right now or is he in, still in Florida? He was last in Florida, I believe, when he took his uh, contract picture. So if I he's think- in Florida, they probably could have sent him like the gear and he could have done a photo shoot down there. So maybe we see Dadanoff. Maybe we sell Gal- Maybe we see Matt, Matt Murray and Galchenyuk if they could have arranged something to to do because that's usually what happens right they come in they do their photo shoots and then they put everything up so it's going to be real interesting but i think it's going to because they're going to have to have the new jerseys right no matter who it is they're going to have the new jerseys so i expect it to play be players like christian Olanin, marcus hogberg matt murray those kind yeah. of guys yeah they're a lot more accessible uh, i know matt murray isn't too far he lives like just up the street from where i do so uh, so he is very close <laughs> Uh, to, to Ottawa, at least close, um, you know, to some degree. I'm still like five hours away, but, um, but but at least he's closer than, you know, a player on the other side of the world right now. 100%. And I think it's just starting to snow in Ottawa. Oh, no. I said the word at the beginning. That, you know, that's what happened. Um, but, yeah, no, like, I wonder I, I wonder who it's going to be, but I think obviously your first two are going to be Chapon and Kachuk. You're probably going to see White. Um, maybe Batherson at this point. It's going to be interesting to see if they put any of the young guys on because if they're not on the team, they're not. Uh, they'll be weird. So you're probably going to get the Brown, the Tierney, the Paul, the Good Branson, the Watson, Zaitsev, uh, will land in Riley. Anyone who's on a one-way contract basically is going to be should be up there. No one, no none of the rookies are going to be up there. Yeah, exactly. Like you won't, you probably won't see Brandstrom. You probably, you definitely won't see Stutzla. Like no, you're gonna have to wait till next year. Yeah, that next year is going to have 
the Norris, the Stutzel, the Batherson, the whatever. But I'm I'm interested to see what they do for it. I want to know what the like the actual. I don't care about who's on who's on. I just want to see how they do it because they've been pushing this the black and gold a lot. So I'm interested to see the the if they have a black and gold concept. Hmm. Yeah, it, it'll look good. It'll look good. Uh, I can't wait to see just. I can't wait to be in the arena again, just to see everything, you know, the center, the center ice, the the whole setup. I want to see it all again, but uh, yeah, we still got some time to wait before that's going to happen. Um, How games, uh, in a regular, in a regular, cause you're, you're five hours away in like what? Muskoka? Muskoka? Yeah. How many games a year would you come down to Ottawa for? Uh, generally speaking, three Belleville games and two or three Ottawa games. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, sometimes more Belleville games, like just depending on scheduling and, you know, my work um, with my with my office job. Whenever that opens up, I have a lot more free time because uh, I'm on flexible, f- flexible hours. I kind of make my own hours. Um, so I get to be a lot more flexible and uh, I can see a lot more hockey games and, and bring my daughter along with me. And uh, she likes to come to them. So. Uh, so yeah, generally more Belleville games than Ottawa games, but uh, but I'm excited to see both. I just I can't wait till we can actually do that. Um, but yeah, we could be it, we may not even get to see games this year at all, which is unfortunate because I miss hockey. Like I I just miss like you said going to the games. Like I went to almost every home game last year, and like just being at the arena, like the atmosphere relatively quiet because our team wasn't very good, but like. When it when we were winning, when it was energetic, it was like nothing else. It was so much fun. Like the last game, last home game we had was against Vancouver, Bobby Ryan's hat trick, and that place went nuts when he got the hat trick. That was the coolest moment from last year, like bar none. It wasn't even close. You were there for that game. Yeah, there's a gif oh, of man. me from that game. Really? Yeah. Oh man, we'll have to check that out later. That's cool. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, one of uh, one of Sen's Twitter, um, Spencer, he made it and posted it onto Twitter about like how I feel when Ottawa has like the the three and five pick, and I was showing it. I'm like, hey, that's me. I was, like, <laughs> I, I was from the Vancouver game. Was it Spencer Blake on Twitter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Good follow. Good follow. So um, that's awesome. Was- and I know you're a huge Bobby fan. Like you were a huge Bobby Ryan fan. I wasn't missing his return for nothing. Right. Man, and I called I it. Wish, I, I, I called the hat trick. I called the hat trick. As I was walking into the building, I'm like, just watch him score a hat trick. And lo and behold, he scored a hat trick. He's a player that could always like seemingly turn it on at will. Like if he wanted to be better, he would be. Um, you know, it's it's obviously he went through some some deep personal struggles and that probably had a huge impact on his play. But I do remember in the 2017 playoffs, we all want to give credit to Eric Carlson and only Eric Carlson, but Bobby Ryan was almost as good as Eric Carlson in that he had entire tournament. He had 17 points. He let, he was the best forward. He was the second best player that entire playoff run. And yeah, he was playing me. top six minutes. Yeah, finally, right? Consistently. Like, because I did earlier in the the pandemic when I was like off for like a month and a half, I looked at Bobby Ryan's numbers versus his ice time, and his ice time and his number when he was playing top six minutes, he was averaging you know top six points, you know fifty plus points a season. When he was averaging bottom six minutes, he was averaging bottom six production. 
Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The numbers just work out like that. Um, yeah, Bobby Ryan, I mean, when he came from Anaheim, I was so hyped when that trade took place. I mean, it was right after the Alfredson leaving thing. So it was like, that was the craziest day. For me, that was the craziest day in Sen's history. I, I remember that in, day like no tomorrow. Like, I remember it like it was yesterday. Same. I was in Pembroke, had a family re- reunion, and we were watching uh, the frenzy. And then it was like Alfredson. It was like Detroit, Ottawa, and Boston are interested in Daniel Alfredson. I'm like, I just don't want him to go to Boston. Uh, and then it was like Daniel Alfredson signs like a one-year, two-year deal with Detroit. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Good riddance. Because I don't really think you're worth the money they gave you. Because you're almost 40. You have a back issue. And lo and behold, he retired because of a back issue. And then, like, I think, what, like an hour or two later, he gets traded. Or Bobby Ryan gets traded for, like, Jakob Silverberg, Stefan Nosen, and a first-round pick. Yeah, I was uh, I was almost in tears, actually. I was driving home from work in my car. I was so upset about Alfredson. He was my favorite player. Um, I know he was at the end of his career, but I just... I was so I was angry uh, that they didn't just give him the blank check like people talk about and, and, you know, let him stay and bring him back for the course of his career. And I was pissed off. And then um, listening to I think I was listening to the fan 590, which is a radio station we have in Toronto, uh, driving home from work. And then the news breaks that Ottawa trades for Bobby Ryan. And I was friggin ecstatic. Like it was yeah. talked about for a long time, too. Before that, it was rumored that. Ottawa could get Bobby Ryan. And he was one of my favorite players at the time. Um, and then he sends out the tweet coming in hot. Like it was just, it was just the coolest time to be a sense fan. I was so torn with that, that trade though, because I love Silverberg. Yeah. I loved him. He was one of my favorite sense prospects at the time, but I was a huge Bobby Ryan fan. So I'm like, I got my, one of my favorite players on my favorite team, but I lose one of my favorite prospects in the NHL right now. And then he had a really he had like what two fifty point seasons and like a high forty point season with Ottawa, and then he went through his issues, and now he's in Detroit. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't the Bobby Ryan that was in Anaheim that had. I think it was like four consecutive thirty goal seasons or whatever he had before he came. See, I've said it before. Corey Cluston being being named head coach, worst thing in NHL in franchise history because it just sent off. A spiral. We lost Heatley because of it, and then we just set in a mediocrity. And we like we should never have traded for Bobby Ryan. Realistically, we never should have. But we were in that mediocrity state where we were like, oh yeah, maybe. And I think Pierre Dorian did the same thing with with Duchesne. He's like, oh, you know, we're we're playing it like they they fell into their own hype a little bit. Yeah, and I think with Bobby, it was a bit of a knee jerk thing. Like I think Brian Murray knew how it made the fan base feel to see their franchise player, their legend, Daniel Alfredson walk away. Um, so I think it was a knee jerk thing. I think he did it as kind of a, at least I can give you Bobby Ryan, but I think you're right. Like the long-term view on that trade, although Silverberg, he never really became a superstar player. He had some nice seasons. Um, yeah, I mean, if you listen to a lot of people in Anaheim, he's a solid top, like he's their basically their top line, left winger and he's, you know, wearing an A and he's projected to be the next, if gets offered to retire, people are saying that he's the next captain of the Ducks from what wow. I've been able to see online between him and Fowler. So he really rounded out his game. Like he, he did just, round out his game. Yeah. He's but, not like an, an elite player, but he's not, you know, he's, he's a solid player and he'd be, probably be a solid addition for any team to, to add. 
I do remember him as a prospect in Ottawa and I, I loved Silverberg, but I do remember him being a little bit one dimensional. Like he was definitely a shoot first guy. I mean, he would shoot almost anything at every opportunity he had, but he had an elite wrist shot. So um, we certainly didn't mind him using it, um, but he did round out his game in Anaheim. I mean, it's crazy to think that he's already 30. Yeah, the time time just goes by. It's it's yeah. wild. He had three straight um, forty point seasons, and then had thirty nine this year. Uh, he's had in the last five years. He's had five, four out of five of the last years have had been twenty goal seasons. So, like, he's been a respectable per point producer. You know, yeah. The team around him isn't very good, to be honest. No, not anymore. No. I mean, they were. They were an elite team for many years, and uh, and they were a tough team in the playoffs. They were always built uh, for the playoffs. They were a tough team to play against, and I think he contributed to that uh, in a really nice way. But, yeah, that Anaheim's getting older. They're going to be probably bottom feeders for the next little while. Probably. Like, I just – I mean, I like Anaheim. I've, I've – been such a torn person on Anaheim because, like, I like Jaguar, I like uh, Korea, Solani, I liked a lot of the guys that they had when I was younger. And then they got Niedermeyer, like, 07 was probably the worst thing for me. Because mm-hmm. then they got Scott Niedermeyer, they had Chris Pronger, they had Solani, they had uh, Perry and Getzlaff, uh, they had Kunitz, but he didn't play in the finals. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and then they had Jaguar, and I love Jaguar. Uh, I thought I think Jagir is one of the underrated goaltenders in the NH- in NHL's history. So watching Ottawa lose to Anaheim, I was just like, "This, this hurts." This, no doubt. this hurts. And, and it's funny because Brian Murray essentially built that team. So yep, he was he was a, an Ottawa Senator at the time he was playing. He was basically playing his two teams. Like yeah, he Ottawa was coaching. He was coaching a team against a team that he basically built. Yeah. I think the only addition he didn't bring in might have been the Niedermeyer addition. Right. There was like some deadline moves or whatever, but, but yeah, that was like, his that was his team and his philosophy. Like his philosophy was build a big, nasty, hard to play against team. And I think Pierre Dorian has learned from Brian Murray. And I think he's taken some elements of what Brian Murray used to do and he's trying to apply it a little bit to this day and age with the Senators. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens uh, with with uh, Dorian and his future because I think he'll be a very good GM. I think he has potential. I, I think the book is not – like it's not really out yet on Dorian. It's still kind of a wait and see because they did this whole like teardown rebuild thing. It's going to be interesting to see – you know, how this thing plays out. Obviously, if it plays out where Ottawa is a, a contending team for many years, then he's going to go down as possibly the best GM Ottawa's ever had. If it doesn't work out, um, I'm not sure he'll be replaced, but uh, but they'll have to retool once again and, and try to add more pieces in. I John, I mean, I think Murray deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think I think he's one of those guys that should go in as like a GM or a builder or whatever the the thing is that they'll they'll put him in. But I would be okay with putting Brian Murray into the Hall of Fame as early as next year. As does Daniel Alfredson, we should say, which we probably say every year. But yeah, I mean Daniel Alfredson's kind of a given, and he should be in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I think he's, I think, top three Swedish players of all time uh, in terms of, like, numbers and for a forward. I think it's Forsberg, Sundin, and, and Alfredson. And I think Sundin's first, if I remember correctly. And, I mean, Lindstrom is, I mean, it's Lindstrom, so. Yeah, he's well, a legend, but I think you have a huge advantage, too, if you play for the Leafs versus playing for the Senators. Yeah, there's definitely some. Uh, I mean, the city bias. will. Yeah, the city will hype that player up. If you're playing yeah. for Toronto, they're gonna basically write you in the Hall of Fame. Like Matthews, as soon as he's done, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I know. Like Don, Daniel Alfredson is second in points by a Swedish player all time. Yeah, beating out Lindstrom, the boat, Sedin, Zetterberg, Backstrom, Forsberg, like. And I'm pretty sure Forsberg's in. I mean, I know for, like Forsberg is a, was a better player. I mean, he was a point. He he averaged a point one point two five points a game, and he only retired if he was healthy. If he didn't have his peg feet, he would have easily hit a thousand games and probably be number one on this list. Yeah, no question, no question. He was unbelievable, and people still do his his signature move with that you know that one hand. Uh, that one hand move in on the goalie, just like Hoffman's goal. If you remember back to uh, yeah. Carl- Carlson's pass the there, that yeah. So people still kind of quote that as the Forsberg move. I'm not sure if he invented it, but he definitely made it famous. Yeah, like I just I feel like Alfredson deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. If the Sedins get in before Alfredson, it's mm-hmm. a joke. Like yeah. it's just straight out, just like if you put the Sedins in before you put Alfredson, you're you're a joke. Well, let's make one thing clear about the Hall of Fame. It's already a joke. Like, I I already call it the Hockey Hall of Friends only because it's like friends letting friends in. It's just kind of – it's became like that, and it's kind of sad. Um, So I don't think it's a true representation. I don't think Alfredson's feelings should be hurt by the fact that he hasn't been voted in the past few years. But uh, it is what it is. He'll get in eventually, though. Yeah. Anyways, we are hitting the half-hour mark of our show, so we're going to take a quick break. We got – Word from our New York Islanders friends at the uh, Never Say Die podcast. Uh, so we'll be back right. We'll be right back after this quick break. Listen to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast, your one-stop shop for Islanders news, analysis, and opinions, featuring the biggest personalities in sports podcasting, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. That's right, TJ. If you want your opinions viewed through orange and blue colored glasses from an Islander Bobo and charter member of the Inlui Trust crowd, you'll love the measured commentary from TJ. On the other hand, if you want the unvarnished truth of a hockey purist, a genius, a legend, and an all-around great guy, the grumpy old man's insane ramblings will be just what you need to survive each and every week. An all-around great guy? Well, we also have weekly installments of Stump the Grump, an absolute fan favorite. Make sure to participate in our live streams and listen every Monday and Thursday to the bi-weekly podcast. You can find the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And we are back. And just so you guys know, we are sponsored by Customized Sports, your one-stop shop for all your customized needs. Got NHL, NFL, NBA, and much more. Head on over to CustomizeSports.com or on their eBay store at Customized Sports. For the back half of this episode, we have obviously our over-under that we will do near the end of it. 
we were talking about the Hall of Fame and how much of it was a joke in the first half hour. And, you know, there's there's a couple of things that I think uh, we need to discuss in terms of the Ottawa Senators and what to we, – we talk about what to expect all the time with this team. I think it's time to look at the the positives of this team and maybe not look at the outcomes of the season, but talk about what we want to see from this team. Stats like stats aside, like number numbers, points, wins, losses, all that aside. What kind of improvements and what kind of players do you want to see improve for the 2021 whatever kind of season we have? Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that. I, I don't think um we need to see, you know, substantial improvements, even statistically. I think we will anyway, but I think what I want to see is territorial play get a little bit better. I want to see Ottawa possess the puck a little bit more. I want to see them uh, be able to turn it on uh, when they want to, uh, to be able to attack with a little bit more pace. Um, and I'd like to see them play a little bit of a more, a more mature game. Um, I know that's asking a lot for a team that's probably younger this year than they were last year. Um, but at the same time, I think they're, they're a much more quality team. So, um, so I want them to take care of the puck. I want them to, you know, take away secondary opportunities in front of Matt Murray. Uh, I just want to see overall a more crisp, clean game. And I want to see, I want to see improvements on the power play for sure. Um, I didn't mind the, the PK last year. I know the numbers weren't there to support that, but I thought that was an area of strength. They had a lot of shorthanded goals. Um, so I'd like that to maybe stay the same, but I want to see power play improvements for sure. There should be power play improvements with the roster that, that uh, we have in front of us and just taking care of the puck. You know, I don't want to see Zaitsev banking the puck off the glass a hundred times. I want to see him, you know, steady it down, look for a better play, um, hook up with his teammates and maybe let them make the first pass. But, uh, but for me, I, I just want to see more puck possession. What about you? For me, like as a team, I want to see a better power play. I think we could have been a lot higher in the standings if we had a better power play. I mean, I don't know how many games I remember that we lost because of in like we had chances to score on the power play and we just couldn't capitalize. And then they would come back and score, and then the game would be out of hand. And it's just like things like that. I want to see. I think adding a guy like Dadinoff will obviously help. Um, I think for me, I want to see Colin White take the next step. I think Colin White can become a, a top six center. I think he had some injury problems. I want to see him build on the last half of last season where he had like 13 points in the last like 28 games. I want to see him take control of that number one center spot. And for me, that's one player I'm looking at. The other player I'm looking at is Logan Brown. Mm. I want to see how his skating has improved. I don't need his skating to be the best in the world, but it needs to be better than what it has been. And I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what happens with that. But overall as a team, like puck position obviously is important. I want to, I will also want them to get rid of, I want them to be stronger on the puck. The amount of times I saw Shabbat get out muscled in the corner, this disappointing. Like, and it, it's kind of worrisome when your number one center kind of gets manhandled in the corner. And I thought those are, so th- those are a couple of things that I want to see is just stronger on the puck and better and more improved play by some players. I obviously Kachuk's going to break out. Yeah, I think philosophically they need to have more of a winning mentality as opposed to uh, we could win some games if we try really hard. Um, so I want to see the shift. Um, who's your dark horse player if you have one 
who's, you know, not really a player that anyone's really talking about, but a player that could really overachieve if given the opportunity on this roster. I have two of them. Galchenyuk and Rudolph Balsers. Rudy B. I love it. I, I've been high on Rudy B. I've been yeah. saying it since the beginning of last season that if he wasn't hurt, he makes the roster out of camp and not Batherson. It's the same thing with Will Landon. If Will Landon's not hurt, we don't see Branstrom out of camp. I think Rudolph Balsers can come in. That Again, that our number two and number three, and even number four left wing spots, kind of up for grabs. I mean, you can make an argument that Nick Paul is going to be that fourth line left winger. But who knows? Maybe Nick Paul... I think our left wing spot is such, and even like down the middle, there's so many, so many possibilities that I think you can't eliminate. You can't subject Nick Paul to the fourth line. Mm. I think Nick Paul has a really good shot, and he proved last year that he can produce. So I think Galchenyuk is going to prove that he can be a center. I think he, I think he steals the number two job, the the second line center job, because I'm really confident in Colin White taking that number one spot. Uh, I think Rudolph Balsers takes that second line left winger spot, and I think Nick Paul will be a, a top nine player. Love it, and and oh. you you took it from me. You took it from me. You know why? Nick Paul was my dark horse player. I think I can see Nick Paul. He's he's sneaky good. He's got better skills than he's given credit for. He wins a lot of puck battles, and he's a smart player. Um, he has a great shot too. Like he, he can beat goalies from the outside. He had nine goals, I think 20 points last year in 50 uh, something games. And he played a mixed role. Like sometimes he was on the fourth line. Sometimes he was on the first line. He was just all over the place. If he's given the opportunity, I think Nick Paul will surprise a lot of people. I think he's steadily grown. He's been one of those players that we talked about before took a little bit longer in his development but he's steadily grown into an everyday NHL player. And I think if he just continues on that developmental curve and it's different for everyone, he might just hit his prime at, you know, 28 years old. He just needs a little bit longer. Um, so I think Nick Paul is my one dark heart, dark horse player. Uh, and I think my second one, I'm going to go with Vitaly Abramov. I just like the kid's energy. I like his fire. I think he always brings it when it comes to training camp. Uh, and he's been playing hockey this whole time. So I think he has a bit of a leg up. Uh, I think Abramov's skills, particularly on the power play, are something to marvel at. Um, and I think he's going to be an everyday NHL player this year. You know, I like Abramov. I think Abramov can do it, but I think Abramov gets traded. Oh, all right. And, it, and it's not like because I want him to be traded. I just feel like there's going to be an offer on the table for Abram like that includes Abramov that we might get a better player back, like a, maybe a top, an actual top four defenseman. And we have too, we have too many top end prospects forward wise. If you look at our roster, like we need to get rid of some people. There, there's no way we can have, you know, and this is why I had an issue and I have no issue with trading or drafting Sanderson because we, we don't have the room for another forward in our, in our arsenal right now. Especially with Dadanoff here for three years, Brown here for three years, Austin Watson's here for at least one year. Batherson is supposed to to turn up. Hmm. Can Abramov? You have now. You have an Sokolov. Can Abramov make the? Can he push for a right wing spot? I don't know. You add him to the left wing. Is he comfortable playing on the left side? I'm not sure. And on the left side, we have Formanton. We have. 
Balsers, and you know you can add in, you know a guy like Timmy Stutzel. If if worse comes to worse, he can play on the left wing. So it's just like, and you also have like Crookshank um, going on in in Europe and Ridley Pinto. Craig. Yeah. Don't forget Pinto. Pinto coming up. Yeah, you have Parker Kelly who can play on the left side. If Abramov, if they don't see Abramov playing in the top six, mm-hmm. I think he gets traded. No, and you're right. I mean, Abramov is not a guy that you could play in your bottom nine. Or, sorry, in your bottom six. Um, you have to have – he's a player that's – he's a make-it-or-break-it guy. He has to be a top six player if he's going to be an effective player in the NHL. So, like you said, there's there's a ton of depth. Um, but I just see Abramov beating some other players out. Like, I, I can see it happening in training camp. Um, and if that's the case, then maybe we start talking about some other players that are potentially traded down the road uh, to bring in. May- maybe I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to say that because I love Drake Batherson. I think his ceiling is so high and he's yet another late pick that we get to kind of look at and, and appreciate. Um, so I have high hopes for Batherson, but so but maybe. I, but if, if, it's kind of the same situation with Abramov. They're they're basically the same kind of player in terms of they both are better suited for top six roles. Yeah. And with Dadanov here for three years, do you really have like can you really hold on to one of these players for that long without stifling their development? No. And if you can trade one of those two guys, obviously I'd rather trade Abramov because I love Batherson. Like I'm gonna get his jersey because I expect him to be in the NHL next year. I feel more comfortable trading a Bromoff as much as I like him. And maybe a guy like, you know, Lajoie or Thompson or whatever and bringing in a top, like a true top four defenseman on the right side. Yeah. And their right side is the side that it it has the most question marks. I mean, if we're, if we're looking at one position that there maybe isn't a lot of depth on, it's the right side. You've got JBD and you've got Thompson for the future. You've got Nikita Zaitsev, whether you like him or not. Um, and you've for got, at least one more year. Yeah. And, and hey, you've maybe, got, maybe you use a Bromoff for trade a Bromoff to Seattle so they pick Zaitsev. Yeah. Maybe you like, do. <laughs> yeah. It's just something like that where you're like, okay, if you tra- if you pick Zaitsev, we'll, we'll trade you a Bromoff for like a seventh round pick kind of thing. Yeah, and I think one thing Ottawa's done well is the asset management. Like just from a financial aspect, they have endless possibilities. They're not going to be one of these teams that are going to be salary strapped in the future. Um, the only player really that they have that's a problem is Nikita Zaitsev, and it's not going to be a problem for them realistically. Uh, so they they have these possibilities that some other teams don't have. So. I do see them drastically improving over the next couple of years only because they've used their assets really, really effectively. Like financially, they're in probably the best position in the entire league. Here's the thing. If Carolina were to call up Pierre Dorian and be like, hey, we want to trade, you know, we're looking at trading Dougie Hamilton. What are you willing to offer us for Dougie Hamilton? And they were like, and Carolina was like, okay, but this is like this is our offer for you to take Dougie Hamilton, but we want Abramov. I don't look at Abramov and be like, he he's not a stopper in a trade. Like he's not someone that I would stop a trade for if it's if, that kind of player. If they call you offering Dougie Hamilton, I would give Abramov away in a second and then some. I mean, right, I, I love Abramov, but you like know, he's not D- Dougie Hamilton is a true established. He's a he's a top 
lying defenseman. Like 100. percent Him and Shabbat would, would dominate. It would be like, dominant. That's the thing is that like realistically, if if you were getting a call, there's only three players right now on the Senators in the Senators prospect pool that I believe really are non-touchable, and that's Norris, Timmy Stutzel, and Sanderson. Yeah. As much as I like Batherson, I feel like if he doesn't make it this year, they might be a little bit more comfortable moving him. If, if, if the right deal came along, like a, another hypothetical um, I was thinking about the other day, and it's on that right side on the D, is Aaron Ekblad. I know he's he's a big player. He's a pretty decent player. He can get beat sometimes to the outside. He didn't really become, I think, what the Panthers hoped he, he would, being a number one overall pick. But at the same time, he still puts up a ton of points. and He reminds me a lot of, of what Hedman was his first couple of years in the league, but Tampa had a better core around Hedman than Ekblad has in Tampa, in uh, Florida. And if there's any team that's super volatile, like just unpredictable, it's the Florida Panthers. So, I mean, he's a player that I would at least call and offer next year. I'm talking about next year when we kind of know where things are heading. He's a player I would call and kind of look at if I'm the Ottawa Senators just to kick tires on and see, okay, what's this guy going to be worth? Because he does have a hefty contract and Florida's trying to save money. And they're they're this weird, volatile team that sometimes um, as an opposing team in a trade, sometimes you could take advantage of a team like that. So, uh, so that would be a player that I would hypothetically target if I'm thinking about it uh, right now, December 2nd, 2020. Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% agree with that. I think a guy, if you were to – there's there's no one on this roster. I wouldn't trade for a guy like Ekblad outside of the three mentioned. But I, I mean, obviously, Kachuk and Shabbat are excluded from that. Yeah. But in terms of prospects, I don't think there's anyone really that I wouldn't trade for a guy like Ekblad or, or Hamilton. Yeah, prospects are prospects. I mean, they're a lot of fun to follow. They're a lot of fun to watch, and some of them make it. And quite frankly, some of them don't. And some of these guys that we're super high on right now, I mean, I remember being just as high on Matt Pumple and Shane or uh, Matt Pumple and um, help me out with the the other name I'm forgetting. Oh, geez. Shane Prince. Shane Prince. He had a couple of glimpses, a couple of outstanding games where you're thinking like, man, this kid's really ready to become, you know, the next the next guy here. And it just doesn't happen sometimes. Yeah, and that's going to happen for these guys. Yeah, there's some players that just aren't gonna aren't gonna plan out, which is expected. But like, I would still I would still look at if if the proper trade happened, I would be okay getting rid of Abramov if it meant landing a guy like Ekblad or Dougie Hamilton onto this roster. Yeah, I, I think as long as that player that comes over has term on their contract, I think if they're an established player and specifically on that right side of the D, because I think that's where the biggest need is down the road. We don't know if JBD is going to be maybe the perfect partner for Shabbat. I wouldn't mind seeing a more physical guy like Ekblad um, on that side because Shabbat doesn't really play a physical game. And I don't think JBD is super physical. I think he's a he's an outstanding defender. He has, he has great stick positioning. Uh, he's good in transition. He's a little bit better offensively than maybe what Ekblad could give you, maybe, uh, for his ceiling. But he, he doesn't strike me as an overly physical guy. 
And I think Shabbat could really use a physical guy who can also move and could keep up. Here's the, okay, so here's a hypothetical trade. Aaron Eckblad and a 2022 second round pick for Vitaly Abramov, Eric Brandstrom, and a 2022 fourth round pick. For me, I think you're if you're going to trade a, for a defenseman, I think Florida would want a defenseman back. And it'd be between JBD, Thompson, and Brandstrom. I feel like they would go after Brandstrom first. Ideally, I'd be okay with getting rid of Thompson. Yeah. But if if that if that's the offer, if let's say Florida's like, this is what we want. Yeah. Do you have trouble? Do you do you say no to that? You've basically flipped Mark Stone for Aaron Eckblad. And in that you in a way, but in yeah. another way, you flipped. Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne for Aaron Eckblad. Right, but Duchesne had like what? How many games with Columbus? Like half a season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't know. It, when you added Brandstrom, that's the part where I have to think. I'm like, oh man, I got to see. Give me another year of watching Eric Brandstrom, and then give me that same trade proposal. Um, and maybe Florida doesn't even offer you know that if if Brandstrom doesn't have a great season let's say in Belleville this season. Um, but if Brandstrom shows, although do you need Aaron Eckblad more than Eric Brandstrom? I guess you can, you can question it that way. Cause I think Abram, Abramov is essentially expendable. If, if Batherson pans out, you could basically say we don't really need Abramov down the road. But realistically, if you look at our left side, it's Shabbat, Sanderson, Brandstrom, Willannon. Yeah. Right. Would you, I much, I much rather have Willannon as my third set, my third line D man over Brandstrom. Brandstrom. Yeah, Brandstrom's and not then, a. I mean, you don't have Eric Brandstrom so that he could play ten minutes a night. Yeah, you have, and then you have Eric Brandstrom so that he could be, you know, one of the top defensemen. So you team. either move Brandstrom to the right side, which I know he likes playing on the right side, but who do you, do you if you have, if JBD plans out? Realistically, you if Sanderson and JBD have a really good year this year. You'll want to keep that pairing together. I think that that's kind of a, a given. Is that they'll, that pairing will probably stay together. So you have what Thompson is your Thompson and Willannon. So you're still missing that number one pairing D man with Shabbat. Would you re- like? Do you really put Shabbat in? Yeah. Bra- like, would you put Shabbat you know, with? Like, would you put Branstrom with anyone on that left side as a right defenseman? I would not feel comfortable having him partnered with. Sanderson or Willannon because they're both, you know, more two-way players, but I still think they have that offensive upside that like would kind of be more of a liability with Branstrom. I think Branstrom, as good as Branstrom is, I think if you have a chance to get a guy like Aaron Eckblad, yeah. sorry, Branstrom. I think what's more compelling here is, so, so now that you're saying this, I'm thinking about it more and more and I'm kind of liking it more and more just because, we have Sanderson and JBD. They're already a pairing. Imagine adding Ekblad. So, okay, so we're Xing. Brandstrom is out of the equation. He's going to Florida. Abramov is heading to Florida. And now all of a sudden we have Shabbat and Ekblad. And Sanderson and JBD just come to Ottawa as a pairing. They could stay as a pairing. And that's your top four. And then you have Willannon and, let's say, Thompson. Or 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 Yaros. Or, or yeah, John whoever Brown. else. 
pans out. Maybe Zub pans out. Who knows? Hell, maybe Josh Brown because he's here for two years. Josh Brown. I like Josh jo Brown. Yeah. Josh, I've watched a couple of his, uh, like some of his highlights. I like the way he moves. So I don't think we yeah. can eliminate Josh Brown as a potential long-term addition to this defense. So who knows? Maybe, maybe you, you end up trading Thompson away for draft picks or, you know, uh, a bottom six player. And then you trade Branch from you would trade Thompson and Branson away. You get Ekblad and maybe a, a bottom six player out of you know Edmonton or Winnipeg. I think you've just talked me into making this trade. So <laughs> it, it, I would not be a very good GM because at first I was like, no, there's no way I'm trading Eric Branstrom. You're crazy, Shane. And then like five minutes later, I'm dreaming of like Shabbat with Ekblad and Sanderson with JBD. And I'm thinking, man, actually, why not? Like, who cares? That, someone, that, that's someone that's so much to... better than what we would currently have of Shabbat and JBD, let's say, and then Sanderson and Branstrom on his weak side. That mm -hmm. I would much rather have Shabbat, Ekblad, Sanderson, JBD as the top four. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and I, I think, unfortunately, Branstrom needs to ball out this season. Like, Branstrom is expendable. As I know we traded Stone for him, and Dorian is super excited, but you just – they just drafted Sanderson, and they expect Sanderson to play on the left side. Well, Landon should have a really good year because Will Landon should have an opportunity to show that he's a top four defenseman. Yeah. If Branstrom doesn't like, if Branstrom comes into camp and comes into camp flat, maybe you look at moving him. Yeah, I think it becomes a possibility. Um, let's hope that. Let's hope he has a good season. I mean, I, I really want good things for Eric Brandstrom. I want him to work out in Ottawa. I have high hopes for this player. I think everyone does, especially when you come over for a big player, there's almost that added pressure. And I know we talked about it before with Nick Paul coming over in the Spezza deal. It's the same kind of thing with Brandstrom, but it, but maybe even more so for Brandstrom being a defenseman. There's and And just the lack of quality that Ottawa has on the blue line. He almost has to pan out because if he doesn't, then yeah, you got to move him before other teams realize uh, that his potential isn't quite the same. Yeah, like I just I feel like if you can have a chance to get an established player like Ekblad, and you have to give up a guy like Brandstrom, with the way our defensive core is shaped up, I don't think it's that crazy of an idea. We have to get we have to get someone from the advanced stat community on this show. And, and I guarantee if we pose that that trade to them, they would tell us that we're crazy because I, I know people don't like Aaron Ekblad uh, in the advanced stat community. Um, and, and myself, I'm more of an eye test guy. Like I, I lean a little bit that way. I, I do follow like the heat maps and I kind of follow along, but I don't put that much stock into it. I don't know how much you do, but I, I, think... I, I don't think we're there yet. Like I think there's a balance between both. 100%. I think for me, like, I'm not one of those guys that lives and dies on the eye test because I know the eye test can be deceiving. Yeah. But I'm also not someone who lives and dies on the analytics. If you live and die on one side of the spectrum, you're you're wrong. You're yeah. going to be fundamentally wrong in a lot of things. The best way to do it is look at both. Yeah, Aaron Eckblad's, like, you know, advanced stats aren't great. But most of Florida's aren't great. Yeah. Most of Florida's defensive cores, advanced stances are great. So yeah. you can come to the conclusion that Florida's defense sucks. Yeah. You know, if their, their structure negative, was bad. I mean, 
we're talking about Quenville, who's one of the most established coaches, but watching that playoffs, like structurally, they were way off. It wasn't yeah. even good. It was not good to watch. Like if you, it was a if mess. You, if you're looking at if it's like all six of their starting, their top six are all in the red. It means that the fam, like the structure of the team is off. Not the players yeah. suck. The structure of the team is off. They had a lot of flaws. I, I can see someone like Matheson, who I think everyone hated on during the playoffs. He just got traded to Pittsburgh. He's going to have a bombing year. Just, just watch. It's going to be completely unexpected. He's going to go to Pittsburgh, and it'll be like Justin Schultz 2.0. For, for, yeah. It, I, he's he's going to come from Florida, and Schultz coming from Edmonton, going to Pittsburgh, and all of a sudden now people are like, whoa, this player is legit. Like That's why they gave him that contract. Like. He's a good player. I, I look at the skills that he brings and I'm like, man, what is so wrong with Matheson? But it was just, I think it's just the structure that he's playing with. He's not instructed on where he needs to be and what he needs to do. And when you're the playing in a system like that, it's not good. The communication on that defense was horrible. Um, but yeah, like I think for me personally, I don't take, I don't take a lot into the advanced stats. Like I look into them and whatnot and I, I understand them. And I, I think, you know, a lot of it works, but at the same time, like there's an eye, like the eye test, like scouts don't, if, if a scout leans one way or the other, they're, they're good or bad scout. I think we can all establish that if scouts lean too much into the analytics, they're a bad scout, but if they lean into like too much into the eye test, they're a bad scout. That's no different than fans or anyone else. If you lean too far, if you live and die on one side of the spectrum, you're most likely going to die. Yeah. You're missing the other side and you're, like, you're missing Exactly. You're missing important information, and why would you do that? And here's the thing. like This is the thing that I've said about Carlson, and I've said about Shabbat. They're not great defensively. They're they're decent. They're maybe at average or just maybe just below average, but they have the offensive upside to make up for it. And this is the thing. CeCe was put in such a bad situation in Ottawa. He, he was put in a situation where like he didn't really know what to do. It was a lot like Florida. He's never been given a specific role, like, okay, you're the defensive defenseman or you're the offensive defenseman. You just go out, like, or just go out there and play. He's just been flip flopped between everything. And, you know, it's like having multiple head coaches as a quarterback in, in football. You're never going to grow as a player if you don't have any kind of structure or continuity in your game. And that's what happened with CeCe. That's what happened with Justin Schultz in Edmonton. That's what's happening in Matt, for Matherson or Tyler Myers in Buffalo when he, after he won the call, they're tapping with Aaron Ekblad. If you don't have structure as a defense, your numbers are going to be bad. And if you don't, and if you continuously don't have structure, you're, you're not going to be able to grow as a player. Yeah. And then, and you know, you mentioned Buffalo and another interesting player that I think about is Ristolainen. Again, same kind of thing. He's a big defenseman with all kinds of weapons, but he's a flawed defenseman that would come, he would come over in a trade for a very, low price my thought is because he's on a big contract is that a player you would target no i like okay i like ristolainen i wouldn't target him as a number one defenseman okay so you but, think he's 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 generally just flawed out there defensively no i just don't think he pairs well with with shabbat i just don't oh, think okay, their, gotcha. their playing styles would play off of each other well i think there'd be too right. contradicting that they he's would, more they offensive would, than defensive yeah I don't think it's more that he's more offensive. I just think he likes the puck. Like he he can make plays with the puck, which is fine. But we need to look at a guy who's not so puck dominant, which is a guy like Ekblad or Hamilton, yeah. 
who can be effective and, you know, right. can make plays without having the puck all the time. Right. They don't mind riding back. They don't mind being the second, you know, the second man in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, and, and that's the thing. is like, That's what made my thought with Carlson so good is that, like, because my thought wasn't a guy who needed the puck to make plays. He didn't need to be the puck mover. I think Ristolainen with Shabbat. Like, if, if we're talking about a guy who could pair well with Sanderson, probably Ristolainen. But I just don't see Ristolainen fitting well. Like, as much as I talk about wanting D'Angelo in Ottawa because I like the player, um, like his skill set, I don't see him pairing well with Shabbat because he's another puck handling. He had like 53 points last year. Yeah, he's probably on ice. He's probably one of the more underappreciated players. And off the ice, everyone hates him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I would be targeting guys like Aaron Eckblad who don't need a, who aren't puck dominant, but can still make things happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think he's a good, like a solid fit for Ottawa. If there's, if there's one guy that I'm looking at on, on Buffalo, though, it's Montour. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about a right-handed yeah. defenseman who doesn't need the puck. I wouldn't mind with Montour being traded. Like I, right. That's a guy that I would not mind being in Ottawa. He has a shot, too, Montour. He has a mm-hmm. pretty decent shot. So he's got like he's got some tools offensively, but but yeah, he doesn't mind being in the shadows a little bit. No, not at all. And he doesn't like he's not a puck. Like he's a guy that you can let loose on the on the point in when you're in the offensive zone. Like if it's a Shabbat Montour, like Shabbat can feel comfortable with. Like you can feel comfortable with having the puck on Montour's stick and understanding that there's going to be an offense. Like he can generate the offense, but you can also look at him in the defensive zone, being like he's not going to be one of those guys that pushes the puck up the ice. Mm. Like, he doesn't need to do that. He can sit back and pass it off to Shabbat and help in that way for a transition, but he's not going to be the first outlet pass kind of thing. So kind I like, like DeMello. Kind of, kind of like DeMello did for Shabbat. Like, he just. A better DeMello, a more right. offensive DeMello. Right. Guy with a little bit more of an offensive toolkit, but does some of the same kind of subtle qualities that helped uh, Shabbat offensively. 100%. And I think that's someone that I'd be interested in Buffalo, but I think. If we're going to talk about trading away Branstrom, it's going to be Freckblood. Yeah, it's got to it's got to <laughs> be for someone who you know what you're getting. You're not going to trade Branstrom for a hypothetical. You know, this guy could work. Maybe you, yeah, you want to get you want to get a legit top four. I like Doug. I mean, Dougie Hamilton. I would take over Eckblad personally. I love Dougie. Dougie Hamilton is one of my favorite defensemen. So. I would take him over almost anybody, but in terms of fit, I think Ekblad is he makes a compelling case. He had forty one he had forty one points last year. He had thirty points. Yeah. He had like yeah. he's had since his rookie year, he's had uh five out of his uh six seasons have been thirty five plus point seasons. His yeah, number one was twenty sixteen, seventeen, where he had twenty one points. Like, that was his down year. And he's relatively yeah. good defensively. Like yeah, his plus, I know. I know we shouldn't look too much into plus minus, but that sixteen seventeen year, he was a minus twenty three. Every other year, he was a plus. Yeah, on a team that's probably a minus. So that's. I mean, you got to look at it relative, relatively too. If you're looking at plus minus, you look at the players around him, and you know the and and the role he's given. I mean, Ekblad is shutting down the number one offense every night. So yeah, hundred percent. To be a plus player in that role, that's pretty damn good. So like, I I personally would love Ekblad in Ottawa. Yeah, 
yeah, I, I think the fit would be there. I do. Um, but, but again, I'm a huge Hamilton fan. So either of those trades, I'd be down for either of those trades. Uh, it would take me a minute. I would react for sure. Cause I like Brandstrom. Um, but, uh, it would take me a minute. And then, you know, once I relaxed, I would be able to, uh, to be happy with the finished product. But, uh, but we do need to talk about, I think my dark horse player a little bit more in depth. Uh, we want to get to over under, um, and for this episode, we're going to do Nick Paul's goals. So the way I see it, I think he had nine last year in 56 games, I want to say. Yeah, that's more of like a bottom six player. So do we want to do we want to say now that we're not going to have an 82 game season or are we going to just base it off an 82 game season? I think we're going to base I think we're going to base this off of a 48 game season. So, okay, think, so almost half think, a season. I think 48 games now is more like more than expected. Okay. So let's do, I'm going to do some quick math just to see what the, um, just to see what the nine goals would be over six, a 42. Like six point, I think it's like 6.72 or something like that. Okay. So the nine would become a, uh, like a seven, basically, if we round it up. Yeah. So in 42 games. So if we're, the, the tough thing with Paul is we don't know where he's going to play. I mean, right now, People are pretty much slotting him in on the fourth line and saying that he's going to stay there. But I'm telling you right now, he's not going to be content staying there. Like that, he he's going to get hungrier and he's going to look for more opportunities. And there's going to be nights where he's going to be one of your best left wingers. Um, you know, looking at who Ottawa has in their lineup, I think Paul has potential to be one of their best left wingers some nights and and not some others. Um, so why don't we say what's what's a good number? Do you want to say seven point five? You want to say eight point five? I think I I'm gonna say seven and a half would probably yeah seven yeah, and a half over forty eight games. I'm gonna go over with Nick Paul. I, I said it before. I see him as my dark horse player, so I've got to give him more credit. So I I think he's gonna get nine goals once again, but over a much smaller uh, game total. So yeah, so I'm going high. I I am going way above the over, and I'm saying right. he hits he hits 13 goals. Ooh, 13 goals in 48, 48 games. games. Let me see. I just want to see what that would be. Would you say 14? 13 goals in 48 games. 13 in an 82 games. game season, you're probably 80. looking at like 22 goals. Yeah, 22 goals in 82 games. That's that's actually yeah that's not bad at all. I, I think mean, he I I I think he put, I think he plays on the third line. He'll play okay. with Tierney and Connor Brown. Connor Brown was our most consistent player all year. He yeah. ended up with forty three points. I think that line will be the most dangerous line for the Senators in a forty eight game season because they can score on you because Tierney can put up points, or they can shut you down. Mm. I think, and he's going to get power play time, not first unit, but definitely second unit. He's going to be on the penalty kill. I think he has 13 goals. He matches his jersey number. I love it. And and realistically, if that's a line, they're not going to be used as a third line. I mean, you know that DJ Smith is going to trust them in every situation. So yep. if he's playing with Tierney and Brown, that's not going to – I'm telling you right now, we could call it a third line all we want, but that's not going to be a third line. 
they're going to be know. given some nights they'll be given the most minutes depending on guarantee you paul's going to top out if you're going to talk about time on ice he's going to top out at like 15 minutes a game that's high that that would be really good that's like third line you know yeah. low second line high third line minutes yeah i i think his average time on ice will probably be around like 14 and a half to 15 15 some nights he'll probably hit 17 I expect like Nick Paul to have a breakout year. I'm saying he has 13 goals in 48 games. So, do you think he'll see? see uh, do you think he'll see time on the power play? Second unit. Second unit power play. I think our first yeah. unit is most likely going to be um, Shabbat, the the one yeah. defenseman, uh, yeah. Dadanoff, Kachuk, yeah, and then probably Colin White and like Connor Brown. The second oh, yeah. unit. So no, no other D, just one. No, it'll just, just be one D. D. And then second, you have someone like Brown playing the uh, yeah. other side. I think the second unit will be Galchenyuk. Yeah. Uh, Nick Paul. Batherson's got to be Batherson with you can with either with Christian Lannan. Yeah. And then either you're gonna have Mike Riley, or you're gonna have a fifth forward, which you can probably put as like a Nisimov or. Um, you know, Balsers or someone like that. But I think Nick Paul will be in front of the net. Like he'll be your, he'll be the Kachuk of the second unit. Right. Um, and I just wanted to mention before we, uh, before we send off and, and this guy's a big wild card in this, but Tim Stutzla, uh, who we keep mentioning again on the show, big wild card in this because he could take over on the number one power play unit. And that would kind of mess with whoever else is playing there. But uh Sean Simpson just putting out that uh, he's fully recovered. Um, he's expected to report to training camp um, for the World Juniors. Um, and also mentioning in there that uh, he is expected to come to Ottawa afterwards. So uh, a bit of news there just because he is tied up in that contract with Mannheim. But uh, Sean Simpson basically saying at this point, it's just a formality, meaning he's going to be in Ottawa for camp uh, whenever that yeah. may be. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on the more, like, pessimist side on this, is that once he signs on the dotted line, then that's when I'll believe that can. Then we could talk about it. Then we could put like, him in the power play unit. <laughs> yeah, because, like, it's not like yeah. I don't want him here, obviously. Like, no, no, no. Here. Yeah. But would it make sense to have him here for a 48-game season? Maybe not. Right. You know, like, there's so many things that go into it. Maybe just let him, like, maybe maybe Dell doesn't even have a season. I don't think Dell's on the verge of having a season, whatever. So maybe it's best for him to come over. Because he's on, because he's European, maybe you send him to Belleville, let his contract slide a year, whatever the case may be. But until he signs on the dotted line, I'm not not worried about it. Right, you're not going to bank on that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, don't, I don't mind that mindset at all. I think we, we definitely need to wait and see. There's still, you know, there's people that are, you know, closely following the situation for sure. Simpson's one of them. He's tweeted out many times about the uh, the contract negotiations, and uh, this is just the latest one. So. We have to wait and see. I, I've been high on Stutzla all along, and I, I do think he's going to be an Ottawa senator when it's all said and done. But would I be upset if he goes to Belleville? Absolutely not. I think I would love to see him dominate in Belleville too. And Shane and I both go to Belleville to check out games, so we'll definitely meet up You know, if we're allowed to go there at whatever 100%. point we're allowed, and we'll be uh, repping our Tim Stutzla jerseys in Belleville. 100%. And I mean, I think – and this is the thing. Is that like, it's not – I know we talk about negativity and whatnot. For me, it's just like I want to focus on the guys who are under contract. Like we need I, yeah. I know everyone wants Timmy Stutzler and whatnot, but like he's not under contract. 
Yeah. Let's stop worrying about someone who's not under contract right now. Once he's on, once he's under contract, lo and behold, we can talk about him all we want. Like we can right. add him to whatever unit, whatever we want to do because he's under contract. He's expected to be in the NHL, but he's until, until that moment, until until he signs on the dotted line. Right. I do not care. We got to see the contract. No, I agree. I agree. Let's let's uh, let's keep it there. Um, you know, there there just isn't a whole lot of news right now, so any little tidbit of news will pass it along anyway. But until it's official, it's unofficial. So uh, so take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, and uh, check back on our um, on our Twitter later today as we will post the upcoming customized sports contest where you can win one of uh, one one of your favorite players if you have a blank jersey. I uh, thank you guys for. For the ones, everyone who entered, it was a great contest. We gained almost like 120 some followers. Um, but yeah, that'll be all for today's episode. Thank you, everyone who's tuned in. Thank you for live, watching us live on Twitter and on Twitch. You can find us at the Sends Hour podcast or Sends underscore Hour on Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube and on Twitch. Follow myself, Shane underscore Ryan97. On Twitter, Derek at uh, DLee075 on Twitter. Check out Derek's uh, articles, whether he writes for uh, New Era Sends or uh, is it? are you still with Sendshot? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so you can check him out there. Uh, remember, subscribe to Twitch, YouTube, follow us there. Why not? We have new episodes every Monday and Thursday. This is Season 2, Episode 1. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will catch you back here next week with a brand new episode of the Sends Hour. Stay safe. And hopefully when we're back for Monday's episode, we got some more news, some good news to talk about when with camp starting up on the Sunday. That's right. Let's go. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. We will catch you back here next Monday. Take care.